morning. We're a chatty group today. Remember last week we had a mayonnaise problem? And um, so, wow, Bama was kind of light yesterday. <laughs> but, uh, somebody had told me that Try Duke's mayonnaise. Y'all heard try Duke's mayonnaise. Just as long as it has fat in it, that's that's what we want, right? None of that light stuff. Hey, if you're visiting with us at, at Grace today, we're thrilled you're here to be a part of our service. And uh, we've come for the primary purpose to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. But it is wonderful to hear fellowship going on uh, within the body here. And I'm truly thankful for that. I want to make mention... The fact that our small groups will start tonight, so for those of you who are involved in small groups, um, they will start tonight. I think we are trying to put together one more group. So um, if you're interested in, in, in a small group and you have not uh, signed up or, or let someone know about that, um, we're hopefully trying to put one more together uh, to meet. It won't start tonight, but maybe within the next two weeks. And so I would encourage you to... Um, to speak with me afterwards, or you can call the church office, and I'll give you more information about that. I also want to make mention of our New to Grace class. This, this will be for those interested in possibly joining us as members here at Grace, and that will be on October the 16th, right after uh, the morning uh, service. We'll have lunch, and then we will go through um, the doctrine, uh, what we believe here at Grace, as well as 
uh, our philosophy of ministry and the things that we're involved in, um, uh, not only here in the community, but around the world. Wanted to make mention of, uh, we do have a group going uh, this Saturday um, to uh, Tracy Hips Ministry downtown and a Christian service mission. <clears throat> Excuse me, we had 20 uh, that signed up. We had more than that interested. I'm very excited about this opportunity we have to have an ongoing relationship with Tracy and with that group down there. I do understand there's some that are actually going to be doing some construction as well uh, on Saturday. So I'm just really thrilled that we get to be a part of that. And uh, we'll have more opportunities along the way, uh, probably quarterly, where we're involved uh, with Tracy and that ministry downtown. So if you didn't get an opportunity to sign up this time, uh, you just keep your ears open. We're not the best signing up church in, in America. But um, I was really impressed that the week I did announce um, about um, the opportunity, I mean, I was inundated right after the service with many who wanted to go and be involved. So um, just thank the Lord for that. It's an opportunity for us to, to minister to folks we don't know. And that's, that's a wonderful thing. All right, well, this morning we're going to do things a little different when I come back up here. I'm going to actually ask you to keep your Bibles closed today. I need you to keep them under your seats. I need you to keep your phones uh, not only on silent, but I don't want you to look up anything. Um, and there's a reason for that, and I hope you'll appreciate kind of where I'm going with that this morning. I think you will, because um, believe it or not, the Assembly of Believers... Um, in the early church was not like this in a lot of respects. And so uh, I do want to um, do things a little bit different, but I think you'll really be impacted. I'm praying that you will uh, by what we do uh, today. We will use God's word. It's just you won't open up to it, okay? Why don't we have a word of prayer and uh, we'll get started. Father, we just thank you so much that we can pause and just for the next few minutes together, focus on, on your Son, Jesus Christ, and the worship of our Lord and our Savior. We do that in a number of ways, and we, we do that through our fellowship, and it was a joy to hear the fellowship going on with believers um, before we started, and it's a joy to be able to come each Sunday and together together. I think it's probably more of a privilege than we recognize to have your full revelation. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us today as we consider uh, what's said in your word, that we would have a better appreciation for the early church and for how things were disseminated and and for the things that were said, and, and we're used to having things repeated to us over and over and over again. And uh, maybe back in that culture, they were better listeners. I don't know, but I pray that you would help us to be good listeners today as we uh, consider what your word says. And uh, I pray that what we do through music and through the word, um, just through the fellowship that we have, that it would all glorify um, the one who is God alone, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.
all of us will reach a crossroads in life, a decision that has to be made. Some can be small and insignificant. Others seem like they could shape the course of our entire lives. How can we know the will of God? How can we correctly choose the path He has set out for us? And what if we make the wrong decision? We spend sleepless nights and days filled with anxiety when we place these burdens upon ourselves. Often we become isolated, feeling completely alone in finding the right answer. Sometimes we're tempted to rush into a decision. Other times we'd rather delay indefinitely. But for those who call him Father, for those who believe in the power of His name, He provides everything we need to follow His will. He gives us His word as a compass and inspiration. Those who live according to Scripture will always follow in His footsteps. He blesses us with wise counsel through His church and the leaders He has set in place. He hears our every prayer granting peace and wisdom to those who ask. His very spirit dwells in us, a still small voice that guides from within our hearts. And in his perfect timing, he will open doors. He will clear the way forward. And no matter the path you choose, you are never alone. He will walk beside you and enfold you with his love from now until the end of eternity. So trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. take a minute as I play and maybe just ask that question and just thank you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for calling you. For all the blessings of heaven. Just take a minute while I play and then we'll sing. Je 
just the only one who could ever say Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you Beside you, open up my eyes and wonder. Show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. the name above every other name Jesus the only one who could ever say worthy of every breath we could ever breathe we live for you oh we live for you Beside you, open up my eyes and wonder. Show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me.
trust in you alone, and I will not be shaken. You guys sing with me. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning
Thank you, Brian. I was doing a devotional 21 years ago at Huffman Baptist Church for Save a Life. When I first found out about the planes being flown in to the Twin Towers, I remember my wife said, Honey, go get the children. From school. There's a generation here that doesn't even know what happened that day. Time flies, doesn't it? It just goes by. I remember those events like yesterday. I remember where I was. I remember what I was doing. I remember everything about that day. And one of the things that I remember most about that day for myself was I wanted to hear from my president. When times of crisis go on, you want to hear from those that lead you. And I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but the speech that night that George W. Bush gave was four minutes and 24 seconds long. But he sure said a whole lot in four minutes and 24 seconds. Which brought about some peace for those who were in unrest. This morning I want to do something a little different with you. And after I pray then we'll go into what it is. But. This week as I was studying, I was impressed with what Paul and his address was to the Ephesian elders at Miletus. And I want to give that address to the elders here. And for our role play this morning, I need you to use your imagination somewhat. We're going to just pretend we are in Miletus. You're overdressed for the occasion. <laughs> Not quite sure where you got your clothing from. Although Miletus was a rich area. 36 miles from Ephesus, Paul had the Ephesian elders meet him. And he addressed them 
And there's a little similarity in terms of, to me, how long George W. Bush went and how long of an address Paul gave to the Ephesian elders. It's just not that much. But what's there is so impactful. What I want to do this morning is focus in on about three or four of those verses. But for the role play this morning, these are the Ephesian elders. Okay? These are the Ephesian elders. Now, obviously, we do not know how many elders were at Ephesus. Um, But for our purposes this morning, I need you to imagine that this section represents the elders of Ephesus. Now, obviously, at Miletus, the Ephesian congregation was not there. But for our purposes this morning, these two sections will be the believers at Miletus. Okay? And so this section here, while they are the Ephesian elders, and they will concentrate on the things in terms of thinking about their own congregation in Ephesus, for their purposes, having you here this morning is great. Because it, would be, it wouldn't do well to um, illustrate this with just the Ephesian elders. We need people here. So I'm so thankful that you believers at Miletus were able to join us this morning. It's a very important address, and and so I want to um, really focus in on some things that Paul said. But I want to do so after we have a word of prayer. And I want to also say um, two more things that you'll need to know as I go through the address. Number one, these are the Ephesian elders. These are the believers at Miletus. In the text that we look at, there are mentioned savage wolves. The savage wolves are those out in the foyer, okay? I hope there are no visitors out in the foyer, but there are always people out in that foyer. Have you noticed that over the years? So the savage wolves are out there. Uh Uh-oh, here comes one from the foyer. And he has no idea what I just said. That worked out so perfectly. (laughs) And then I will be the Apostle Paul. Okay? And so, um, again, I'm asking you that after I pray that you not turn to the passage. Because one of the things we have to think through is that as Paul was addressing the Ephesian elders by way of speech, they were listening to his words. Now, in our culture today... If we can get someone to listen to us for five minutes, we're doing good. And so sometimes when we're reading through these things, maybe one of the reasons they aren't so long is because um, they're meant to be impactful and people were just better listeners in the day. So why don't we have prayer? And then I will go through uh, this with us this morning. Father, as we go through this exercise this morning, I think that one of the things that will take place is we'll appreciate better what was said to the Ephesian elders. I pray it is. I pray that uh, you would be honored as we uh, read and as comments are made concerning the address that was made to the Ephesian elders. All these things we pray in the name of Christ. Amen. You yourselves know 
from the first day that I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time. Serving the Lord with all humility and with tears. Ministry's hard. With trials which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. As you know, a lot of my ministry has been filled with persecution and suffering. And you know what comes with following Christ. I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was beneficial, no matter the opposition. Because you lead God's church. And I taught you publicly from house to house. Solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, bound by the Spirit, I'm on my way to Jerusalem. Not knowing what's going to happen to me there. I'm, I'm walking by faith like we walk by faith, right? We walk by faith as followers of Christ. Except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city saying that chains and afflictions await me. It costs, doesn't it, to follow the Lord? You know that as, as elders of Ephesus. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself so that I may finish my course, the course that was given to me by the Lord himself. And the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of God's grace. And now behold, I know that all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will no longer see my face. We won't see each other again. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. I gave the truth. And you know that. You were with me. You heard the gospel. And I didn't apologize one day for telling you the truth. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Isn't that what you want as elders? You wanted to hear the whole purpose of God. So you could pass that on to your children and your grandchildren in Ephesus. I need you to hear this. Be on guard for yourselves. And for all the flock. Among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. You must guard the flock. Yeah, we're here today and here are the Miletus believers. They're kind of sitting in for those in Ephesus. But I need you to have those in Ephesus on your mind. He's made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he per purchased with his own blood. But we don't ever need to forget, do we? The cost. Cost God's son his own blood, his life. The only reason that you and I are ever going to be in the presence of God is because of His Son. 
I know that after my departure, after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise, speaking perverse or twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, you be on the alert. Be on the alert. Be aware of everything around you. There is so much non-truth. Be aware of that. Stand firm on the gospel. You're the elders of Ephesus. Be on the alert remembering that night and day for a period of three years I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. Our relationship hasn't been five days or 50 days. It's been three years. I love you. I want you to move forward in a steadfast manner, guarding the gospel of Christ. But I want you to know that there are savage wolves that will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And now I entrust you to God and to the word of his grace. I can do that. Just like we do with our children, right? We entrust them to God. Which is able to build you up. And to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. <laughs> I've coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes. But I can say the Lord's provided for me every step of the way. Just as you know the faithfulness of the Lord in your own lives as elders. You yourselves know that these hands served my own needs and the men who were with me. And everything I showed you that by working hard in this way, you must help the weak. And there are many that are weak. Help the weak. Those who struggle with their faith. And I'm not talking about their saving faith, their daily faith. We even, don't we, would admit we struggle at times with our daily faith. But you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said. These were his words. It is more blessed to give than to receive. There are many people that we come into contact with, whether in Ephesus or Miletus, they have needs physically. They have needs spiritually. We want to minister to those people. For our purposes today, I want to go back and address just a few things with you that are really critical in this. Number one, you heard me correctly. I said to you, you must guard your own life first before you guard the lives of the flock. And your flock's at Ephesus, but for our purposes today, these believers showed up. So I need you to think of them in terms of, hey, these are the believers at Ephesus. But, but I started by saying that you have to guard your own life as a believer first. How are you going to guard them if, if you're not guarding your own life? I wrote down, look inward before you look outward. Look at your own life. Pay attention to what you believe. 
Pay attention to what you teach. We have the word of God and revelation is continuing to be given, but we have God's word. We have the prophets. We have Moses. We know what's been said. You must pay attention to what you teach. Because there are many out there that don't teach the gospel of grace. Know where you stand on things doctrinally. Know that Jesus Christ is fully man and fully God. Know that. Believe the things that you have been taught. Stand on those things. Stand on the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. Knowing that's true. Stand on the fact that God created this earth in six literal days. Can you imagine all the things we see? Be sure that the life you are living is consistent with what you believe. Because people are watching. They're watching your life. And those believers back at Ephesus are watching you. Elders, I want to tell you there should be accountability amongst yourselves. You need to be accountable to one another as elders. Especially as it relates to what you believe. And the way you live. You're not on an island by yourself. You must have the support of those believers, those other elders that are around you. Your priorities need to reflect one that belongs to the Lord. You know, what, what is your life like in Ephesus? What are the things that you're involved in? I know in Ephesus, as well as you do, that temptations abound. You have those that are at the temple, you have the temple prostitutes, you have idols that are being worshipped, and you're making a stand by worshipping the one true God. And that's not a small thing. And you're being made fun of for worshipping one you can't see. Stand firm. As I wrote to the Corinthians, be steadfast. Immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. I just wrote that to them. Because our labor is not in vain in the Lord. We know He's alive. What are you doing with your time, elders? Is it important? It is. Your life is a display case to all the believers in Ephesus and even here in Miletus. They're watching you and they're listening to you. Elders, there should also be an ongoing testimony in your life. So as you know, I was changed myself on the road to Damascus. You know that testimony. I've shared it with you many times. And while that was the starting point of, of my walk by faith with the Lord, I always share with others what the Lord's doing in my life now. Just like I share with you. What's the Lord doing in your life? So when you go back to Ephesus and you're amongst the believers, 
It will encourage these other believers if you are sharing about the life of the Lord Jesus and how he's changed you. See, this Christianity thing, it's, it's not a game. It's real. There's eternal consequence. He gives me many opportunities since that day on the road to Damascus. You remember what I was doing, going to collect names of those who were part of the way? Now I'm part of the way. I was going to destroy as many Christians as I could. And now I want to see everyone saved. I want everyone to come to life in Christ. Do you? Are you willing to lay it all out there? Well, not only are you to guard your own lives, but as I told you in the address, you're also to guard the lives of the flock. Here they are. Don't they look good? They must have been to the local shops, right? They have great clothes on this morning. You're to guard the lives of the flock. If this flock is the flock of Ephesus, you're to guard their lives. This means you need to pay attention to what's going on in their life. You can't look at them and lead them from a distance. You have to be among them. You're both. You're out front and you're among them. You're with them. You're paying attention to what's going on in their lives. You need to know where they're spending time. So how involved do I need to be? You need to be that involved. You need to know where your flock is. You need to know who's influencing them. Isn't that important? Just like for your children and your grandchildren, you want to know who's influencing them. As elders of Ephesus, you need to know. You know all the influences in Ephesus. You know all the evil that exists and the idolatry that exists. They need to know that they can look to you for leadership. But as well, they need to know you care by being involved in their lives. I know for some of you, you might be going, wow, that's a big challenge it is. But you know what? It's a great reminder for me and you. We have the Spirit of God in us that leads us, that guides us, that leads us into all the truth, that gives us the words to say in their most distressful times and stressful times. He'll help us. You know, that's happened to you. Also, you should look for ways to encourage those you lead. So you lead these folks and you need to look for ways to encourage them. As you lead, you also need to know that there are two big challenges in the lives of believers. One is physical and the other is spiritual. There are physical challenges in this life. I've had my share of physical challenges. And some of you have as well. But you need to remember that the flock has physical challenges. And physical challenges can lead to spiritual discouragement. You understand that? You can feel isolated and alone and, and desperate. And you have to be reminded, hey, the Lord's in control of all things. 
He has your life. I'll never forget being there during a time of true stress when I wasn't a follower of the way. I remember being there when Stephen was stoned. There's not a night that goes by I don't think about Stephen. There's not a night that goes by I don't think about the strength that he had because of the presence of the Lord. There's not a night that goes by, elders, that you don't have the presence of the Lord in your life. We know He doesn't leave us. We know He doesn't forsake us. I was told that my life would be one of suffering for the cause of Christ. And even though at this point in addressing you, I, I don't know what's ahead specifically, I know that suffering's ahead. And with that, I would say to you, rest in Him. That needs to be your message to, to the flock. Rest in Him. He is our refuge. He's our strength. We know these things. Be sure you're regularly encouraging them in the Scriptures. Because not only are there physical challenges, but spiritual challenges. You know, I was with the Bereans. You know, the Bereans, man, they just examined the Word. They examined the Scriptures. That was their life. And that's my challenge to you as Ephesian elders. Examine the Scriptures. Camp in the Word. You know, I'm a tent maker, so I use that, right? Camp in the Word. Join the Bereans in examining the Scriptures. Elders, how much time are you spending in examining the scriptures? You lead them in that. Also, you don't just read the scriptures and study the scriptures, and that's important. But like the early church, you pray. I wrote my notes for you. You pray and you pray and, and you pray. You depend on the Lord because isn't it easy in Ephesus because we have so much just to depend on ourselves? I would imagine centuries from now people will be depending on themselves just like we do today. That's the temptation. It's ever before us but we need to depend on the Lord every day. We need to depend on the Lord in guiding these sheep that God has given us. Why? Because sheep stink and most of the time. True? True. Well, I've come to the time I need to remind you as to why you guard them. Why do you guard them? I told you a few minutes ago why. But I want to remind you. First of all, you've been called by the Holy Spirit. As an elder, you've been called by the Spirit of God. This calling is serious. Alright, so... This is not like being a member of the Camel Jockey Club of Ephesus. This is not like being a member of the G&C Fishing Club that some of you are a part of. This is a calling of the Holy Spirit. It's His call in your life. Remember, you did not apply for the position of elder. You didn't apply. 
You're not serving as an elder because of your social status. You're not serving as an elder because your name is Buddy Seal. You're not serving as an elder because of the success of your business. I know that's what man might want to do is kind of measure all that in that way. But you're serving as an elder because God's spirit separated you. Just like you were called to be saved. I was called on the road to Damascus. You're called to this position of elder. Secondly, you guard them because our Lord shed his precious blood. Remember, that was said. He shed it for us. He shed it for them. You need to think of it, elders, like this. The sheep in Ephesus are on loan to us for a period of time. How are we leading those sheep? And guess what? There's no time off. You don't take a moment off from being an elder. It's not, well, I'm going to take 23 hours out of the day, I'm an elder. For one hour, I'm not an elder. Or 30 minutes out of my day, I'm not an elder. Or five hours out of my day, I'm not. No, you're an elder. You're a shepherd. You oversee the sheep. God has given you that responsibility. You know what? You're an elder when you're racing your camel or when you're fishing in the Aegean Sea. You can never stop watching and caring for the ones that have been purchased by the Lord Jesus. You can never stop. I was thinking of one of the elders at Ephesus and just the encouragement that he's been to me in my life. You all know John Burnett. You've watched him over the years in Ephesus as his children were brought up, as he brought them up in the Word. You watch that. You watched his tribe increase. So he was the spiritual leader for Chris and for Paige and for Lindsay, and all of a sudden here comes this guy named Tony. And then the next thing you know, you have... Paige and Tony and three calm children. We watched John lead faithfully as a shepherd with those that are in his family. And he leads those that are Ephesus. He's a leader. We need men like that we can look to as an example and an encouragement to all of us Right? For you as elders, for me as an apostle. So you guard them because the Lord shed his precious blood. Thirdly, you guard them because there are predators, there are wolves. We saw one come in earlier. Let me describe these predators. And I'm not talking about the teams that will be formed in a couple thousand years called the Nashville Predators. I'm talking about these savage wolves. You might sit there and think, man, that, that's pretty harsh. But these savage wolves are coming in to destroy the faith. 
to destroy what was once delivered, which is the gospel of grace. These savage wolves, they're cruel, they're destructive, they're fierce, they're sly. Yes, they're violent. They're looking to destroy the assembly at Ephesus through false teaching. And if you don't stand firm in what you believe, they will enter, they'll creep in. And you as elders are responsible for the whole of the body at Ephesus. God puts you in that spot. And that's why I began the address by telling you to pay attention to your own life. You have to stand firm. You must know what you believe. There must be a foundation in your life individually and then collectively as elders. In order to guard them, you must remain strong in your faith. Let me give you some things to look out for. If there is someone in the flock who does not have a clear testimony of grace, be careful. Be careful. Do you have a clear testimony in your own life of the gospel of grace and how you were saved? Would you be willing even right now as we sit here in Miletus to stand up and tell us about how you came to the Lord Jesus? Any of you? I mean, the Miletus believers have never heard it. Any of you be willing to stand right now and share? Paul's serious. <laughs> Elder buddy. Hey, Elder Buddy, in my latest, we have microphones. Ball-footed, wretched man that I was and that I still am. But I love the Lord Jesus. I love you people. And y'all are my testimony, every one of you. But God took somebody like me he picked me up out of the gutters of life. He gave me new life. He used me, I know, in different ways in other people's life. I'm, <laughs> I'm not much, but God can take any old stick. And the decisions I make in my life, I make them through the Holy Spirit. I never do anything till I get the permission of God to do what I need to do in my life. And I can make you a promise no matter what I do, I'll always love you people. I will always reach out to you. I will always be a servant to you because that's what God expects out of my life. He expects me to be a servant to him. And that's what I plan to be the rest of my life. Because my citizenship is said, is it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it's in heaven. That's where 
I want to be. That's where I plan to be. Well, I know I'm going to be there. Because that's the promise of God. And I'll walk with him daily. Not in perfectness, but I'll still walk with him every day. And I'll do what I'm supposed to do. with What God puts on my heart. And I will. I will never Well, Peter said that too. But I don't plan to forsake him. I know he'll never forsake me. I might get off course, and I might do a lot of different things, but I know God will always draw me back because he's not through with me. And I look forward to eternity. There's not a... You have talked much. <laughs> Give me a minute. There's not a day goes by. A lot of you know Miss Elizabeth. A lot of others in here. Not a day goes by that I don't look forward to spending eternity with my Savior. And see my wife. My son. Again. But I know. I don't know how it all will happen. But my main thing is to see my Savior face to face. In all his glory. All that he has planned for me, for every one of you who know Christ. And if it's not somebody in here that don't know what I'm talking about, all you got to do is come talk to me. I'll spend as much time you want with, want me to with you. I know all the other guys here will too. Not just elders. People like my brother, brother Jerry. Many others in here. Guys, God has charged me in my life to walk with him and to have a love for the brethren. Y'all are my brothers and sisters, and I have no choice but to love you. Do I get along with all of them? As far as I know, I know a lot of you probably don't like me or anything else. I can't help that. But... That has nothing to do with what I love. My love is unconditional for every one of you. Just like Christ has given me the commission to be.
and that's all I can say. Thank you, Elder Buddy. I was, uh, again, I'm not only thankful for my Elder Buddy in terms of his salvation and the certainty that he has and knowing he's going to be with the Lord, but he and I being a part of that camel jockey club is great. So thank you, buddy. Anybody else? Any other believer here in Ephesus, one of the leaders, want to share their testimony of grace? Yes. I was saved. I gave my life to the Lord at seven years old. I was actually sitting in the auditorium wiggling and uh, wasn't paying any attention. And Ron <laughs> was standing up front, looked a little different, but he was standing up front <laughs> leading us in a hymn in another building that we were renting. And my mom, she said, now stand up. And she got on to me. And so I stood up and I started to read the words of the hymn and I don't remember what they were at all. But I just remember knowing that I was a sinner um, and that I had a big problem. And so I just begged the Lord to forgive me, and he's been faithful and good ever since. Um, and I can't wait to spend eternity with him. Amen. Any of you other Ephesian elders like to share? seven years old, I also accepted the Lord as my Savior. I had no idea really what grace and mercy meant then. Um, and then at 18, I went through a very traumatic experience um, in my family and the realization that I could not control circumstances or protect myself came really close. And um, Recognizing that I couldn't just make goodness happen. I couldn't make good things happen in my life. The Lord reminded me that I could find all my expectations in him, as Psalm 62 says. Mm. And I could wait on him. That he was my rock. and He was my shield. It was at that moment that I really think the Lord just took... Um, everything in the past and he said you can move forward and you can just keep seeking me and I am your first love and I'm who you need and then I met my husband and we went through a lot of hurts in church in ministry and I watched what was supposed to be loving and was reminded of how it was unloving all throughout my childhood at the church. Mm. And still God was like, listen to my voice. I love you and I want goodness for you. And this morning um, we've been studying Psalm 23 in Sunday school. And it's funny how even as a child I would hear different um, passages and we talk about how we should know that God isn't um, 
going to bring the hammer down on us, that we should know that um, the scriptures mean this or the scriptures mean that. But when you're being taught that the scriptures mean something, it's really difficult to take and say, okay, Lord, what does this mean? It's really hard to be the Berean church. And so we have to be very careful how we teach the scriptures. But still, his still small voice was always present. His, his goodness and his mercy always did follow me. Even through all the pain, all the, the broken relationships, all of the moving, all of the, the expectations that were broken, um, his goodness and his love remains. And even in this last couple of years of what many people are scared to say, um, we've even renamed it in our Sunday school class um, to renovating our life instead of deconstructing our faith. I feel like we have walked through that. And, and we have walked through a step of saying, okay, Lord, what does your word actually say? Mm. And what does this actually mean in my life? My husband's been doing it for a long time and patiently just walking with me through this in like a landslide the last couple of years. And several of you have walked with me through it as well. And this morning I was talking with Linda, who's been so precious to me through all of this and listens and doesn't make me feel less than. And, um, and my husband does the same thing. They don't make me feel stupid for asking questions, and I ask a lot. <laughs> and they um, listen through different ideas that come through and, and you know, the different influences that we do have. And you can't hide from the influences of life. You can't hide through deconstruction. You can't rename it as there. But examining our faith and examining who Jesus is has been the most wonderful and freeing thing I've ever experienced. Mm. Recognizing that he's not just who I've heard of, he's who lives in me. And I can live in his goodness and recognize all where it's been throughout my entire life. And it's been in the hard times. It's been in the rejections. It's been in the moments where we've been moved without us wanting to be moved. It's been in the, um, the physical or the emotional abuses of life. It's been in all of that. He's remained present. He's been beautiful and he's been merciful. And it doesn't make sense. Hmm. It doesn't make sense. But he was always there. And he Amen. remains there. And so, as Psalm 23 says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. He will pursue me. And I can look to that and I can remind myself of that even in those hard times. So, thankfully, he did take a moment to speak to my heart. And he is, he is that still small voice, even amongst all the noise of this world. Amen. Thank you, Jess. You know, as I was listening to these three, I, I was praying through this morning. I was like, well, Lord, you know, when I get to that part, I don't know if anyone's going to stand, but it's always nice to c consider 
how the gospel of grace work, works in the lives of people. And um, I imagine the early church did a lot of sharing together and encouragement together because they truly went through hardships and suffering. Thank you. Almost done. Just a couple of things else I want to share with you as elders. Not only does there need to be a clear testimony of grace, but if there's not much concern with those proclaiming Christ to learn the basics of the Christian faith, be careful. There has to be a foundation in your life and my life. If you're going to be an influence on those in Ephesus, you have to understand the doctrines of the faith and what we stand on in the gospel of grace. And then if there is someone more interested in their own agenda than they are in following the leadership that God has entrusted, be careful. Um, It does mean, though, that you're giving people in Ephesus, in the church, opportunities for growth and service. It's very critical. They need opportunities for growth. They need opportunities for service. You think about even in your own families and what it means when your children see you not just, you know, uh, or listen, more than listen. They're, they're seeing you serve. They're seeing your life in the midst of other believers in Ephesus. Well, there's one last warning, and this one's somewhat difficult. There are going to be some as I told you earlier, within your own midst, you, maybe one of them, and even in the assembly of believers at Ephesus, that twist the truth for their own advantage. That's hard to imagine. And that someone would want to twist what God has said to their own advantage. It will be as if they've taken a sword out That's the word I used. It's the picture. It will be as if they have taken a sword out to do battle against what is true. Their desire is to lead people astray. That will be not only in the church at Ephesus, but for generations to come as the Lord tarries in his coming. Pay attention. Pay attention. I know some of you, even during this speech, have had difficulty concentrating. But just a moment of being lax can lead to catastrophe. You can't be lax in your faith. You can't be lax in your faith. Or it can lead to catastrophe. Let me just close our time by telling you how much I love you. You have meant so much to me over the years in Ephesus. And while I couldn't come to Ephesus and I had to call you here to Miletus, it was with great pain and sorrow because I wanted to see the other believers at Ephesus. But you're able to go back and you're able to represent the Lord. And I think there's no more appropriate thing that we could do in our time together to close than to pray. Than to pray for the church. To pray for the protection of the body. See? 
That's what we need to do. You know, those were the actions of Paul at the end of that address. Did you know that? The Bible says that they prayed together. That's what they did. That particular passage of Scripture is probably one of my most favorites. Because it's like Paul just stripped himself of everything and said, Lord, it's all about you. And I need these leaders in Ephesus to know it's all about you. And while we don't know what's around the corner or who's around the corner, we can trust you. Because our life has been separated for the gospel of Christ. Do any of you remember the words of George W. Bush on 9-11? I don't either. I just remember being glued to that television and looking at my leader because I needed him to say something that was significant for our nation. Can you imagine what it must have been like for those Ephesian elders? The reason I didn't have you open your Bibles is because while they had the scriptures, the Old Testament, that speech was new and fresh to them as they sat there. I don't know if Paul repeated it over and over and over and over again. I don't know. I'm quite certain there were probably pauses and emphasis. But you advance the stage to the 21st century. And you know what we have? The full revelation of God. And how sweet it is. Tastes good, doesn't it? I mean, at this time, the book of Ephesians had not been written. Some of Paul's letters, which give hope and encouragement to the believer of a coming Christ for his church, were yet to be penned. Can you imagine what it must have been like for those Ephesian elders to leave Miletus and go back? You know, we do 21st century church, which is called comfortable we come to a building, we sit in air conditioning as long as it's working. We have an expectation that with an hour to an hour and a half, I can be back doing what I want to do with my life. And I think, well, I'm not sure how that's exactly how the early church functioned. It seems to me that the early church did everything they could to be together, not apart. So, when I hear testimonies this morning like I did, especially um, listening to Jessica, she mentioned another member of our congregation, Linda. I think, yeah, that's what it was like. That's what it was like. You had people ministering to people. You say, well, that, how do we close this? I'll tell you how we close it. We pray for this church, this body of believers, that we would be authentic, Real, genuine people. Because my personal testimony would be over the years, because I'm kind of in the middle. I'm almost 58 years old. It's hard to believe, but I am. And um, I've been going to church since I was seven. And before that, but that's the part I remember. And I remember watching church 
for years and years. And part of my takeaway was people sometimes just do church. I don't know how you hear that, but that's been one of my impressions. In other words, we don't do church. We are the church. <laughs> if you belong to Christ, you're part of the church, the assembly. So that when we assemble together on a Sunday, it's not so we can see the latest and greatest outfits. It's not so that we can look at words on a screen. It's not so that we can go, wow, this is a wonderful building. It's so that we can come together and say, wow, he's a wonderful Lord. He's a wonderful God. Because, you know, our testimonies are this. I know the Lord Jesus, and I can't wait to meet him. But the question becomes between the time that we came to know Christ and the time he comes for us, what will our life say? Don't you know that's why the author of the book of Hebrews says, Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. All the more as you see what? The day drawing near. Judgment's coming. It's coming. We know the rest of the story. So might I say in closing that we ought to be a little more purposeful and intentional in our everyday life apart from this hour. Because people we come in contact to with here in this building, there are probably some in this building right now who do not know Christ. Not as certain as Buddy, not as certain as Jessica or Rachel about the day they're going to see Christ. So, let's live with a little more intentionality. Can I say that? Let's live with a little more purpose. I'm not saying you're not doing it. But let's go times two. And you know what? That fits with Scripture. Paul, in his letter to the Thessalonians, commends them for their love. But in chapter 4 says, step it up a notch. <laughs> he doesn't use those exact terms, but that's what he means. Abound more in your love. Let's abound more in the gospel of Christ so that when people we come in contact with begin talking about all the things, all the conversations that go on out in our world, we can say, Lord, please help this conversation to turn toward you somehow. And do you know when you pray that? Be ready. Because the Lord, my friends, will turn that conversation to him and you'll be like, oh my goodness, how did that get there? And it won't be you, it'll be him. Let's pray together. Father, I know this was a little bit different today. Um, probably some in here were even uncomfortable. I don't know, but all I know is this. We went through your word. It was done in a little different manner, but maybe it's going to stick with us a little bit longer. There's certainly a lot of things here that we need to consider as the church. As elders, we need to consider the ways that we lead and how we lead and how we live. We don't need to compromise what's already been established by you. I pray for the congregation 
here at Grace that they would walk, if they know you, walk in your ways. That they would be able to look to the leadership of the church, for example. That as leaders, we would be available to our people. That we wouldn't just be out front, but we would be among them. Directly touching their lives. I know within this congregation, there are a lot of people that have challenges, they're hurting. Um, And I'll say, Lord, just by way of my own life, the enemy can get in our lives pretty quick and distract us from the things that should be the main things. So help us to live with a sense of purpose and urgency. And if we believe what you say and have said, you're coming for us. And how will we be found? What will we be doing? I pray, Father, that you would help us in our journey by your Spirit and that you would receive all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. And I want to close by praying for our children and our grandchildren. They're living in a culture that is so anti-Christ. I pray that you would help us in our explanation to them, just like Jessica said, that we would go to the Scriptures And that we would examine the scriptures to help our children. That we would lead them into the truth. And that our lives would represent you well. So we commit our children and our grandchildren to you. In closing, in all these things, we pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Guys, there is a key. One day we're going to be with him, right? There is a king seated among us. Let every heart receive him now. Where there is praise, he will inhabit. There will be grace and mercy all around. Every burden will be lifted in His presence. Every trophy will be laid down at His feet. There is a name that reigns above all others. Jesus Christ, the King above all kings. Unto the Lamb, honor and glory. Worthy is He who overcame, buried in shame. Risen in power, he is alive, and the stone is rolled away. And all our worship will belong to him forever. 
cup and I said your heart's the key there is a name that reigns above all others Jesus Christ the King above all Appreciate that. It's hard for me to call him Brian. Everybody calls him B. Want to make mention of a couple things before we leave uh, today. Um, first of all, rem- reminder: discipleship t- is tonight. It begins this evening. So if you've signed up and you're part of those groups, make sure you plan to attend tonight. Also, just uh, by way of announcement, those who are going Saturday to the Christian Service Mission, those who signed up. You've been contacted. We will, if you want to ride to Christian Service Mission from the church, we will plan on leaving or meeting here at 8.15, and then we'll leave subsequent to that. One, you before you leave today to think about this. If you had a speech to give and you knew you only had an hour or two to live, who would you want in your presence, and what would you say to them? All right, you're dismissed. <laughs>